So Money Episode 876, Tina Hay, founder of Napkin Finance. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. I didn't personally have anyone who was helping me manage money early on, and I don't think I ever thought I needed to. I, you know, I don't know if it's maybe being a woman or um, a cultural thing, but I always thought there would be someone who would help me manage my money, and I would rely on them. How would you like to learn about money in 30 seconds or less? I would. Well, our guest today is the founder and CEO of a company that's doing just that. Her name is Tina Hay, and her company is called Napkin Finance. It's a multimedia platform where readers can learn everything about money in 30 seconds or less. And it's a platform for people of all ages to learn about money as well. It's super visual, very fun, very simple. Her company is in high demand right now, as you can imagine. And in fact, Napkin Finance has partnered with the White House for Michelle Obama's Better Make Room and Reach Higher initiatives, as well as numerous nonprofits, schools, and universities. There's a book coming out later this year. Lots going on. But Tina Hay is also a fascinating founder and woman. You just heard her talk about growing up and her money mindset and how that has impacted her in adulthood. What led her to napkin finance and and what are some financial concepts they've yet to tackle? Here's Tina Hay. Tina, hey, welcome to So Money. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to connect with you. You're all the way on the sunnier sides of California. Um, and uh, what's it like managing your money out West? A little bit different, a lot more avocado toast on the West Coast than maybe on the East Coast? Uh-huh. Different lifestyle. I, I mean, it, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely different. You know, we actually, most of our work is with partners in New York. So it's just a different culture and lifestyle, but um, but LA is just amazing. There's so many interesting things happening in tech and finance. So it's a fun place to be based. Yeah, for sure. I was just there and we'll be back, of course, for, uh, for Stacks House. But your background, speaking of, you know, technology, you have a background in technology as well as film, as well as finance. And today you're the founder and CEO of Napkin Finance, which I'm just going to let you share a little bit more about what that is. It's it's pretty cool what you're what you're doing with Napkin Finance. Tell us. Thank you. Yeah. So basically Napkin Finance is a multimedia company. It's everything about money in 30 seconds or less. So we help people understand finances in a very visual, simple, more engaging way. And you know, what the background basically of the company and the inspiration was my own struggles learning about money and finance. As you mentioned, I come from a liberal arts background. I worked in film and tech, but found myself in business school sitting with bankers and consultants and really struggling with a lot of the content. And I am a visual learner, as most people are, and visual learning is a classic concept. So Mozart, Da Vinci, Freud all used images to solve their very big problems. And so since then, I've always been using sketches, illustrations to to really clarify things, and it's has resonated with a large number of people because especially when it comes to money and finance, 
most of it is numbers or really um, content that's really difficult to digest. So we had one napkin that I started with a few years ago, and it's grown into hundreds of pieces of content. And we have a huge library that we create both internally and for our partners. So it's been really exciting to see how that's resonated with our users and really has helped people in their own struggles with uh, empowering themselves to make better decisions. Everything about money in 30 seconds or less. How did you get the idea for napkin finance? I mean, what was the aha moment? Sure. So it really, it never, it wasn't an idea that I thought would actually have, you know, I thought it was a great educational concept. So what happened is I started a company. I, I, this is my third um, startup and I started a company that was based around money and millennials and education was just one piece of it. And the napkins were a really great form factor. You know, they're small, they're focused. And that was a part of the the platform and what really resonated and took off. So it was actually a surprise to me that this type of content is so in demand and so important and so necessary and not really provided to people, whether it's in schools or later on in life. So the the whole, the, the company and the, the beginning of it was really almost an accident. But it's been amazing to see how we've had so much traction and growth. And the response has been amazing from very different you know, people on all ages. So it's been exciting for us to be able to deliver products that really make a difference in people's lives. That's great. And so tell us a little bit about your partnerships and some of the breakthroughs that you feel have been pretty extraordinary. I mean, it's it, what you're doing is simple and it's and it's execution, but it's so transformative in in how it's helping people. Yeah, so it's been so what's exciting is we we offer we're, we're for profit for good company. So we are a company with a mission and we that basically um, is the foundation for any for any content we put out whether it's for our own readers or for our partners. And so we have a, a, a site that's that's free for users to come and napkinfinance.com. Um, and we have a lot of content there uh, structured around different life stages, even the moments that matter and people are making decisions. So when you're having a baby or getting married or, you know, graduating and getting your first job, we have content that's structured around that and a lot of money 101. Um, for our partners, we do a lot of content um, that that's really interesting. We work with banks, financial institutions like J.P. Morgan Chase, UBS, um, a few other banks and online banks. Uh, we also work with media companies. We're in the process of doing a show with NBC Learn for kids where it's more a video series that helps kids understand money and finance. And then we have a book coming out with HarperCollins later this year, which is really exciting as well. But the way we create content, I think what's unique is that we tell stories around different suites. So our content is very modular. We have articles, napkins, videos, infographics, storyboards, and they come together to tell a story and take the reader deeper and deeper into the content um, as far as they'd like to go. So it's very visual, but it also provides, uh, you know, details as, you know, and brings people, kind of helps them understand really not only the basics, but um, gives them an understanding of different financial concepts around different areas in money and finance. Tell us how you got interested in this, Tina. I, I know that you have um, an MBA from Harvard, but take us even further back, perhaps to your childhood, to your upbringing, and how money was introduced to you and your own passion for this, how it, how it evolved. Sure. So I think for, for myself, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship and starting things. I started businesses when I was 
in high school and college. I've started, I've done kind of crazy things that have done well and others that have been like ridiculous and failed, but all really fun. And I've learned a lot from them. I think I didn't personally have anyone who was helping me manage money early on. And I don't think I ever thought I needed to, I, you know, I don't know if it's maybe being a woman or um, a cultural thing, but I always thought there would be someone who would help me manage my money and I would rely on them. Um, But I had parents who always believed in education and really gave me the tools to help learn about money and finance and, and empower myself. And so I think my experience and what what I think the company does really well is help people who don't have a background in money and finance and look at this type of content and feel really um, intimidated and, and not wanting to engage with it. It's a very sensitive topic. People's personalities are a factor. And so I think what we do well is we really help people in in the first steps of really kind of learning and then engaging and then empowering themselves. So my background is, and I think what I bring to the table is I don't really come from a finance background. Um, I think my background has been more creative and tech. And I think that angle just brings a new kind of a fresh perspective on the content, a creative way of explaining things to people and helping them learn. Mm-hmm. It's Financial Literacy Month, and in partnership with our sponsor, Chase, wanted to ask you about how you learned about money, how you gained most of your financial knowledge. Do you have a story about growing up, maybe that I ask this of all guests, like a pivotal money moment or memory, something that you witnessed or experienced? Sure. So I think the, the I actually, it's kind of a funny story for my Bob Mitzvah. I received all these gifts and some of them were money. And I asked my parents to invest in IBM and Coca-Cola and they never did. But, you know, and then years later, you know, we still laugh at it today. But I really I think over time, I realized the power of starting early and compound interest. And to this day, I think the most powerful thing that people don't realize is like in investing or saving or planning for retirement is that time is sometimes more valuable than money. Mm-hmm. And so I've never forgotten kind of the, the power of really starting early and even starting small and how impactful that is and how people really don't realize how powerful even small amounts can be and, and add up over time. So I have to ask, how did a 13-year-old, you're talking about your bat mitzvah, know enough to know that the stock market was an actually powerful thing and that you should be in it and you want to buy stocks. That was not my, my train of thought until much later in life. You know what? That's a great question. And I really don't know, but I do know that I think, you know, I, I think I, I'm surrounded by entrepreneurs and people who are always kind of thinking, have a business mindset. And so I think that was probably one of the things that was, I was just aware that money can work for you. And money can can work for you in ways where, you know, it it does it when you're sleeping. And so I think maybe that's really what has, you know, I've been brought up with is the understanding that, you know, the opportunities that money provides and really being proactive about it. So I think, you know, did I read the Wall Street Journal? No, but I think I was probably surrounded by people who helped me with tools or resources that helped me get there. And so what would you say was your so money moment? Have you, your proudest financial move? You probably had a lot of, uh, you had a head start, I would say, compared to your peers, just from your own, just from your knowledge perspective. Yeah. So I will, you know, so I've been in the startup world a long time. And I think my risk profile is, is I, I, you know, I invest in my own startups. And so I probably have made more mistakes than I've done, you know, made smart decisions. 
I think some of the things that I did early on are start are start saving and and, and having um, emergency funds set aside and really making sure that I have budgeted pretty much my entire life to make sure I don't overspend. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed a lot of people don't do or don't have the tools for. But now it's much easier with technology. But I think again, it's it's really the very simple things that have a large impact later on and over a lifetime. So I think one of the things that has been always, you know, that I've always been very careful about is being um, proactive about budgeting, saving, and and planning more than anything else. But on the other hand, you can say, I mean, having a startup is probably one of the worst decisions you can make um, and one of the riskiest. But again, that's been always part of my personality and it's worked with me, but you know, it, I, it's not recommended as a very responsible financial um, plan. <laughs> um, well, speaking of not responsible, did you ever experience a hard lesson learned, a failure, money failure? I mean, I've had many. I've had many of them. I think, you know, they, they, both personally and, you know, in business, I think some of the things I've realized that are related to money are really planning with, and you know, having a good accountant. Um, having good attorneys, people around you who can help you. Um, the other thing I've realized is we really have an opportunity now over the last five or six years to take advantage of technology that can make everything much more seamless, help us um, manage our money and save and um, have kind of a window into all of our different accounts. And those types of things are really empowering if people take advantage of them. But you didn't answer the question, Tina. What was your biggest money mistake? My biggest money mistake, I guess, let's see, there are so many. I think I think part of it, one of, one of my biggest mistakes is not starting to invest in the market earlier on. So I always had some investments, but I never really um, invested in the way for my for my age, I started later on. I didn't start investing. I started saving, but definitely not investing as early as I should have. So that would be my biggest mistake. Yeah. I mean, I hear this a lot, especially from women. And I often get the question, you know, do you think that there is a missed opportunity where we don't educate young girls enough compared to boys about investing? I don't know if there is a gender divide there, but it's an interesting question. Do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I think it's just much women. It takes more for them to trust and to trust someone with their money or to make kind of important decisions to invest or, or take a risk. I think it's also, you know, we're women don't talk about what they're doing with their money. We don't talk about to our friends traditionally about where we're investing or different opportunities. So I think that's part of it. And then, you know, there's always the expectation of like, you know, I will maybe have someone who can take care of me or a partner who will manage that aspect. And that's changing. I mean, one of the most interesting things for us is our platform is very visual and fun, but we see a lot of women over 50 that are using our content. And we realize a lot of them have never had a chance to manage their own money and are doing it for the first time, whether they're divorced or widowed. And so it's fascinating that, you know, at all ages, people have different struggles and challenges, but there is, there's no reason why women shouldn't be empowered earlier on or have the resources. So it, it's difficult to say what the cause of that is. I think a lot of it is just social, like we don't mm-hmm. discuss it. And also trust, you know, I think it takes a lot more, even I see this now, even with financial advisors and planning, a lot of women need 
it takes a lot more for them to trust someone to manage their money. On the one hand, I think that's great that we want to be so thorough and we really want to be certain before we put our money into something that could potentially make or lose us money. I think that's commendable, but I think that it can backfire to the point where we don't do anything. It paralyzes us, right? This uncertainty can be paralyzing. And I think that in some cases, it's better to just take a leap of faith, like do make an educated guess. I mean, it's, there's, you're never going to be a hundred percent certain, right? So just in factor that in and be, I think the most important thing is that you learn quickly from your failure and you move on. Definitely. So what's, what we find really interesting is like, you know, there's a lot of financial advice out there and even with people who you trust. But one of the things that I think is t- the toughest part is even if you are starting to invest or make a decision, it's that first step of like, where do I even sign up? Like, who do I mm-hmm. listen to? Where where do I, you know, where do I find an account? And actually, um, you know, that first step is the hardest of just starting out and trusting that it's, you know, the right decision. So it's great that there's a lot of information out there also. But again, it's like taking that first step, that jumping into really being proactive. Mm-hmm. We find people find very challenging. So what challenges do you hope Napkin Finance will tackle in the future? You're obviously doing a lot right now in on multi-platforms, but what's the long-term vision? Yeah, so we're so we're we're right now we have a lot of great partners and we're actually international. We're working with the largest bank in Mexico. Our entire platform is in Spanish. So it's been exciting to see that the content is resonating and, and we ha- we're growing our readers. But what I find that is missing is that we're we're getting asked a lot of questions and we're not able to help people with decision support and really help them um, through the entire process. So we're hoping to become more of a platform, an education platform that also helps helps guide people into whether it's products or services, but in a way that advocates for the reader. And that is really missing right now with financial mm-hmm. services and products is is the transparency and understanding that the the decisions that you're making are in your benefit versus, you know, a commission model or something that is benefiting, you know, the platform or the the service itself. So we we want to flip things around, use education as a way to really help people make better decisions at the moments that really matter um, at different life stages. Yeah. And I think it's really what's great about your product, your service, all of it is that it it goes across all age groups, right? So while it has this very youthful feel to it, I think what you're trying to do, which is to make money more visual and more visually exciting, that's something we can all benefit from. Do you find that your audience kind of is across all age groups and demographics? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's really no age window for this type of content. Um, I think for different reasons, it's just most people never learn in school. If your parents don't teach you, you know, then the rest of your life, you're basically making decisions, you know, when it's too late or how to manage bad decisions. So, you know, again, we find we were able to um, to reach people through their parents, kids. Um, the NBC show we're, we're working on is for kids and K through 12. But then we reach some private wealth clients that are 45 and, and older. Um, we have another project that we're working on that's actually for retirees. We do long-term care benefit napkins. So it really <laughs> ranges, wow. which is exciting for us because 
again, it just it it it's it's interesting to see how you can take any complex to- topic and simplify it and help you know people digest it. And one interesting thing is like the napkins. We do money and finance, but we did you know election napkins in 2016. How the elections impact your finances, and that was really popular. So we're finding. There are a lot of like timely topics like, you know, tariffs and, you know, why Apple became a trillion dollar company. All of these are interesting <laughs> concepts that we're able to 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 use a napkin to kind of tell the story. So it's it's been interesting for us to see how this the, the napkins are great when it comes to different money topics. But, they you know, money and finance reach into every aspect of your life, whether it's health or politics or education. So it's been fun for us to kind of see how we can, you know, help people and and expand our platform to really kind of touch people in different life stages. It's a lot of fun, I have to say. I mean, you can just go on napkinfinance.com and see all of the different categories and all the napkins for things like taxes, retirement, real estate, entrepreneurship, investing. I wonder if there should be a separate category for like women and money because <laughs> there's so many unique yeah. unique uh, themes and issues that surround women and money. So it's, it's interesting. We actually just started a foundation that's actually going to be helping girls and and this was the beginning of this year girls um, learn about money and finance early on and so a lot of our resources we actually have another piece of the company where we help nonprofit schools um, organizations we work with Michelle Obama a couple of years ago we're doing some other interesting projects with schools and universities where we give away our content for free and we're really hoping that we can help young younger women and girls learn about the really critical aspects of money and finance early on and give them the tools they need. And so we're always dedicating resources to that, is to educating and empowering women early on when it's super critical and they can really use it to their benefit. What's something, Tina, that you do currently in your financial life that's a good money habit that you think everybody should adopt? Sure. So I do. I I'm. I'm what I do for myself is I really take advantage of technology. And I think I mentioned this before, but again, opportunities to really, and we don't promote any, any specific products, but again, right now to automatically save, um, you know, I have access to all my accounts. Um, I can see my investments. I can, I have a window into everything. I do robo advising. I use a human advisor. So I think I take advantage of opportunities to have my money work for me. Um, that's one of the things that I think makes my life easier, but also is, works to my benefit. And it's possible to find ways to reduce your fees using technology as well. So it's really a win-win finding a balance between people you trust, information and resources you trust, and technology to make it all very seamless. I was just having a conversation today with somebody and, and they were asking me, do you think that it's a good thing or a bad thing that we have so many choices when it comes to how to run our financial lives. I mean, we're living in the technology boom when it comes to a lot of things, but particularly in personal finance, there's there's a, there's a million savings app. There are a number, a host of investment platforms, um, blogs, podcasts, books. I mean, personally, I love it. Uh, but I can, I can see where if you're just starting out to your point earlier that it can be really overwhelming. Like, where do I even begin? Yeah, that's so, it's so interesting you say that because every week we get, and we're, so we're working with banks. We see what they're, how they're trying to reach people, but we also see all these new products, these like neo banks that are coming out or insurance products where it makes it easier to kind of connect and save on sign up and takes up the middleman. 
but it, there is so much confusion of like where to, which one of these is the best option or who, you know, which technology makes sense. Um, and so again, this all goes to kind of where we try to, where or we're trying to may help people make decisions is like, how can we build a network layer on top of all of these financial products and services and help people really make better decisions for themselves, whether it's finding, you know, insurance or a mortgage or a car loan or whatever it may be. Um, with with all the technology and all these new startups, there is so much noise and getting through that, even for us, I mean, we're deeply involved in this space. I can't even count the number of, you know, online banks, all-in-one banks that there are out there or, you know, other opportunities to invest or save. I mean, it's just incredibly confusing. I can't imagine what, you know, the the average person who doesn't work in this field, um, how they're bombarded with the same type of content. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, great opportunities to use technology. But again, to your point, so much confusion and so much noise. Right. And, you know, there's not one best way or one you know, correct way. There are many ways, right? It's just a matter of, I think part of it is just going through it and you have to accept that some things are going to work out wonderfully and others you will learn from your mistakes, but hopefully, you know, you're not going to, you'll be shielded to some extent. Like, you, you know, don't go and invest all your money in one stock. That's not what we're saying, but, you know, experiment with some of these apps. A lot of them have free trials or you can just kind of dabble in it, unsubscribe, you know, but it's important to... Mm-hmm you know, test it out rather than not do anything. Let's do some so many fill in the blanks, Tina. This is when you just finish sure. the sentence. And um, first thing that comes to mind, if I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is? So I would put a lot of that money, I would do two things. First two things is put a lot, put, put more funding into resources for women and young girls. Um, in finance and education. And number two, um, I would, um, I would do nice things for the people I love. Mm. So those are my top two. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I love that. All right. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is. So I think I'm, I'm a fitness junkie. Like I do, I spend money on classes and and other tools and things like that, that whether it's meditation or, um, or yoga, Pilates, fitness apps and things like that, that, that really make my mental state much better and make me happier and, and more present. So the, that, I think that's an important part of my both personal and professional life is spending my money on things that make me a better person and more in the moment and more aware and, and able to kind of be working at my optimal pace. Because it's stressful running a business, right? It's super stressful. Super I mean, stressful. it's a roller coaster and it's exciting. I mean, we have so many exciting things happening, but, you know, there's always, there are people and their partners and everything is, you know, a lot of moving pieces. So I, I feel very blessed, but at the same time, it's, you know, and it's also like, what's my next steps? And, so it's all, even all the excitement is stressful. So I, I, I see it as a roller coaster. It's like a daily roller coaster, but at the same time, it's wonderful to be able to help people and, and do fun things. So it's, it's an exciting roller coaster. 
It is. It is. I was like, please indulge me in some of the stress because I'm going through a little bit of that roller coaster right now with Stack's house. But I, I agree that it's um, just a lot of moving parts. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of different. Um, a lot of different push pulls, but all serving a higher purpose. And it's sometimes like you got to just take yourself out of the equation and be like, this is not about me. This is about the mission, the purpose, right? Other people living a better life. And that's definitely motivating. All right. Right. When I donate, I like to give back to blank because... So I, I believe, I mean, again, it's education is one of the big things that is a theme for myself personally and for our business. So I really do believe in giving back both time and money, um, mentoring, um, helping provide tools and resources. And, you know, that's, that's something that brings me both happiness and also I think is an important thing to, to do. And I think makes a big difference in a lot of people's lives is giving them, um, empowering them early on educational resources and tools and also money and, and other ways of helping people in that, in that world. Um, yeah, I, I think that there should be more of those organizations. It's hard to find them sometimes. Um, but, but I think they're more popping up and, um, particularly ones that are focused on youth, which is, which is where it all begins. And last but not least, I'm Tina Hay. I'm so money because? I'm so money because knowledge is power, especially with money and finance. And Napkin Finance is delivering that knowledge in such a fun way. Thank you so much. It was really nice to finally connect with you. I've been um, admiring your work from a distance and we no doubt have some friends in common in the industry. So it was really lovely to finally be able to invite you on the show and hopefully we'll connect when I'm out in LA with Stacks House and I'm wishing you continued success, Tina. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for your time. And if you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com. We've got the transcript and the audio, and you can also click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your questions for our Friday Ask Farnoosh podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money. So money.